How much do you know about the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, Israel, the most holy site to Jews and a site that is holy to Christians as well? What I'm about to share might surprise, sadden, and anger you. The truth of what goes on as the Jewish people try to ascend to their own Temple Mount needs to be heard. So stay tuned. Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, Yes, you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hi, and thank you so very much for joining me today. Today, I am going to get a little political because it's been in the news in the world of politics, but it's also... It's spiritual. Um, It does have to do with Christians. It has to do with Jews. And it has to do with Israel, the Holy Land. So I want to talk about it because I am not very happy, once again, with the Biden administration. (laughs) This time, I'm not happy about him as far as anything goes. But President Biden's latest decision, again, another horrible, horrible decision this man has made. And this decision is in regard to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, Israel. So believe it or not, I don't know how many of you are familiar with this. Most of you probably are. But the Temple Mount, which it's in Israel, it's in Jerusalem, is the land specifically that God has chosen for the Jewish people. And back in the book of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, They were given this land permanently, okay, permanently. So I'd like to share with you a news article on that very same thing. It's by Fox News, so you can find it at foxnews.com. It was published in September of 2018. It's an opinion piece. The author is Thule Wise, Wise, W-E-I-S-Z. Anyway, it's titled, The Bible Says Israel Belongs to the Jews and Has for Over 3,000 Years. It begins by saying, The Americans, British, and Arab states can debate whatever Mideast peace plan they want, but nothing can change this preeminent fact. Israel is entitled to the land it has and has been for over 3,000 years. It says so in the most historically accurate document in history the Bible. The land of Israel was given by God to the descendants of Abraham. In the book of Genesis, God appeared to Abraham and said, I will assign this land to your offspring. Genesis 15 verses 18 through 21. In this passage, God made a covenant, an agreement or a contract with Abraham. He repeats this covenant is eternal and unconditional throughout the Bible. The medieval scholar and Bible commentator Rashi Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki asked, I'm so sorry if I butchered his name, why, if the Torah is a book of laws for the Jewish people, why does it begin with the history of creation and the lives of our Jewish forefathers? Rashi's answer was that there will be a time when nations will claim the Jews, quote, stole the land of Israel, unquote, and that the land belongs to others and not them. Rashi explains that the Bible begins with the story of creation first to establish that all the world belongs to God and only he has the right to apportion it. Amen. And according to the stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses, God promised the land of Israel to the nation of Israel. God in the Bible makes it clear that the land of Israel would not be given to the descendants of Abraham's son Ishmael, but rather Isaac. Why? Because Ishmael was not the intended heir. The birthright wasn't for him. As a matter of fact, Ishmael came along, um, I'd say through sin, really, in many respects, because Sarah was impatient and waiting on God's timing. And of course, she had Abraham go into her handmaiden Hagar, where 
she conceived a, um, a child through Abraham. And of course, that was Ishmael. This is not who God had in mind from the beginning. Isaac was to be the one. So it says in Genesis 17, 19, where God tells Abraham, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall name him Isaac. And I will maintain my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring to come. In chapter 17, verses 20 through 21, God promises to bless Ishmael, the ancestor of the Muslims, and use him to create a great nation. But his covenant to Abraham, which again prominently included the specific promise of land, was to be accomplished through Isaac, not Ishmael, removing any ambiguity. When people of faith read the Bible, they understand the intrinsic connection between the Jewish people and the land of Israel. In fact, as we note in the Israel Bible, there are over 1,000 verses in the Hebrew Bible connecting the Jewish people with the land of Israel. But those who question God might also question the historical veracity of the Bible or might incorrectly assume that in a proverbial game of telephone, it could have been altered over the years. Extensive techniques have been used by Jewish scribes for centuries to make sure the Bible we hold in our hands today is the most historically accurate document from the ancient world. Copying scriptures has always been considered a sacred task and therefore literally thousands of quality control methods were put into place to ensure reliability. So he goes on, you know, he talks about the Torah. For instance, he says the Torah must be written by hand by a scribe one letter at a time. This process means writing a Torah can take more than three years. And upon completion, the document is once again checked for accuracy before it can be used. Further, massive amounts of archaeological evidence support the notion that Israel has been in its land for as long as the Bible recounts and that the words of Scripture are historically true. Nearly every archaeological dig in Israel supports the understanding that Jews have had a presence in Israel for thousands of years. Jewish and non-Jewish archaeologists have found coins, pottery, and literally full cities that reveal the Jewish presence in Israel predates any claims that other people in the region may have. So the article actually goes on quite a bit longer, but I'm not going to read any further. You can check it out for yourself at foxnews.com. Again, it's titled, The Bible Says Israel Belongs to the Jews and Has for Over 3,000 Years. The rest of the article just talks about um, the Balfour Declaration, the Ottoman Turks having control of it and some some history there. But the point of it was that biblically, that land, it belongs to the Jewish people. That land belongs to no one else. That is their land. They're not occupying. That is their land. It's backed biblically, solidly biblically. So, of course, the Temple Mount also belongs to the Jewish people. Now we have the Palestinians who actually occupy parts of Israel and the uh, Muslim population there, Arab Muslims, claim that the Temple Mount belongs to them. Now, the Temple Mount, okay, is it's a holy site. It's a holy site for Jews, of course. It's a holy site for Christians. And the Muslims also claim it to be a holy site for them. But anyway, some controversy was recently stirred up because a man by the name of Itmar Ben-Gvir, um, he is a newly installed cabinet member of the Israeli government under Benjamin Netanyahu, who is back in office over there. Um, it's not the first time that he visited the Temple Mount, but he did, in fact, visit the site. And so, hence all the fuss. Now, the fuss is being made because, unfortunately, and there is, there's, a, there's a history of what happened here. This isn't something I'm going to directly get into here, but I have a couple of great resources I'd like to point you to as to the history of how the Temple Mount that area, that part of Jerusalem, came to be in the hands of the Muslims. Um, the first source is found on foi.org. FOI stands for Friends of Israel. And it's titled, How Did the Muslims Come to Control the Temple Mount? So very good article on that. And another source is found on jcpa.org. That stands for Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. And there's an article about Muslims rewriting Jerusalem's history, kind of like what's going on in our country. 
people are trying to rewrite our history so that they can change the present and the future. Um, that's kind of, that's pretty much what's happening as far as the Temple Mount goes too. So a couple great resources for you to check out the history of how it came to be in the hands of the Muslims. So here we are present day with the Muslims having control of the Temple Mount. Okay, they refer to the Temple Mount as Al-Aqsa. And so unfortunately, they are in control of the Temple Mount currently, even though it belongs to the Jewish people, they are not in control of the Temple Mount. And there's a lot of restrictions as far as the Jewish people. At times, they're not even allowed there. But when they are, they are very limited to the times and the places of access. They are not allowed to say prayers, not even allowed to mouth prayers. Okay, I'll I'll get into that in a little bit. So yes, this caused quite a fuss. And the group that controls it is, um, it's a Jordanian-backed Islamic waqf. It's spelled W-A-K-F. Although I've also seen the word spelled W-A-Q-F as well, and I've also heard it pronounced three different ways in my research. So I went with the pronunciation of waqf. So, (laughs) but anyway, they control it under something that's known as the status quo. Okay. So status quo means this, that They do not want to disrupt the existing state of affairs, especially regarding social or political issues. You've heard the term, we don't want to break the status quo. Well, this is basically what's happening with Biden in his latest disastrous (laughs) declaration, whatever you want to call it, decision. He doesn't want to break the status quo either. The status quo is... It's very biased, okay? It's something that discriminates against billions of Jews and and Christians. And and so I have the first of a few articles here that I want to share with you in regard to this, this issue, this situation. And the first one is written by Jonathan Feldstein. For those of you who listen to my podcast regularly, Jonathan Feldstein was a guest on One Little Candle a while back. He is the founder of the Genesis 123 Foundation, and he is an Orthodox Jew who is working diligently to build bridges between Jews and Christians. A really, really wonderful man. And um, I have an article here that he wrote titled Unholy Discrimination on the Temple Mount. And so in regard to the status quo, he says this, that Jews and Christians have no legitimacy and cannot pray on the Temple Mount. Considering that Jerusalem and the Temple are the cornerstones of Judaism and Christianity, to say that's absurd is absurdly polite. But since 1967, when status quo was established, the Waqf and the Palestinian Authority have competed in their blatant disregard of that while competing for influence against one another. So... Basically, the Muslims have, as he says, hijacked the entire 35 acres, calling it Holy Al-Aqsa. They call this holy, but there is so much confirmed footage, many substantiated reports of the desecration that occurs at the hands of the Muslims in what they call their third holiest site, although... As Jonathan Feldstein makes a point to say, it's oddly enough, it's not mentioned in the Quran, but um, they claim that it's holy to them. So I want to talk a little bit about the treatment that the Jewish people and others and other non-Muslims, such as Christians, receive when they are allowed to visit the Temple Mount. And some of the things that actually happen and occur at the Temple Mount at the hands of the peoples who are in control of the Temple Mount, because it's just very sad and disturbing. Um, Joe Biden going along with many nations and saying that this man's visit (laughs) to the Temple Mount is, you know, going to cause problems. A Temple Mount that belongs to, you know, Mr. Gavir and his fellow Jewish people is going to threaten peace. And the only thing really that threatens peace over there is the terrorism that happens aimed at Israel stemming from the Palestinian Authority. That's the problem. That's the only thing that disrupts peace. The the Israelis are very, very peaceful people. The Jewish people are very, very peaceful people. 
So I have an article I'd like to share with you. You can find it at jns.org, and it's the Jewish News Syndicate. It's an article written by Morton A. Klein titled, The Biden Administration Sides with Discrimination on the Temple Mount. It says this, Itmar Ben-Gavir's visit did not violate the discriminatory status quo despite the lies and incitement being spread by anti-Semitic terror organizations. It goes on to say, It is a fundamental American principle that religious and racial discrimination is impermissible, unacceptable, and unjust. We Americans do not let threats of violence stop us from changing a discriminatory status quo. Thus, threats from the Ku Klux Klan and other bigots did not stop the U.S. government from ending the long-standing status quo of segregated schools, whites-only drinking fountains, and practices that prevented Jews and blacks from living in many neighborhoods. Instead, we stood up to the racist black-hating terrorists. For example, when nine black children were prevented from entering Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas, then-President Dwight Eisenhower sent 1,000 U.S. Army paratroopers to ensure that the students could attend school. But, he says, today the Biden administration is arrogantly demanding that Israel maintain an anti-Semitic, racist, discriminatory, and unjust Muslims-only status quo on the Jewish people's holiest site, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The mount is the site of the first and second Jewish temples, which stood for approximately 1,000 years, long before Islam was invented and long before Muslims built mosques on the site. King Solomon built the first temple as a place where all people were welcome to pray. Israel's 1967 Protection of Holy Places law followed in his footsteps, ensuring free access to all holy sites. But now, Jews and other non-Muslims are denied the right to openly pray on the Temple Mount or even bring prayer books with them. Visiting hours for non-Muslims are severely restricted. Non-Muslims can only enter the site through one of 12 gates, while Muslims can use all the gates. Jews are not permitted to drink from the water fountain on the mount because some Jew-hating Muslims consider Jews unclean. Sound familiar, he says? Jews are not even permitted to silently mouth a prayer. Meanwhile, Muslims have, quote-unquote, shown their respect for the site and the status quo by playing soccer games on the mount, storing rocks, firebombs, and weapons in the Al-Aqsa Mosque, destroying literally tons of priceless Jewish antiquities and archaeological materials from the mount, harassing and attacking Jews who visit the site, converting a second temple period structure into a new mosque, hurling rocks at Jews praying at the western wall below, and inciting anti-Jewish violence by broadcasting blood libels that Jews are storming and destroying the sanctity of the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So this is the behavior that truly goes on over there that you will not hear, by the way, from the mainstream media. But you know what? President Biden is aware of this and many of our American government officials because they themselves have actually been victims and witnessed themselves these horrible behaviors. So instead of opposing the anti-Semitic discrimination, the Biden administration instead condemns the new Israeli minister of national security, Itamar Ben-Gavir, for briefly touring the periphery of the Jewish people's holiest site. Okay. The U.S. ambassador to Israel, Thomas Nides, stated this, to be very clear, we want to preserve the status quo and actions that are unacceptable. We've been very clear in our conversations with the Israeli government on the issue. Nides said this, even though Ben Gavir's visit did nothing to change the Mount's so-called status quo. So, yeah, we have our government. Our government isn't the only one, by the way, siding with um, terrorists, really. These people are terrorizing and harassing the non-Muslims that try to visit the Temple Mount. So we have our government wanting to ban the Jewish people from their holy site. Here's an article from the Jerusalem Post written by a Jane Keel. It's talking about going up to the Temple Mount. She says this, going up to the Temple Mount, the holiest place on earth for the Jewish people, has changed my life in many ways as I live in Jerusalem. The first time I went there as a tourist wanting to see what all the fuss was about this disputed place, and I actually realized something when I did. 
Not only is there so much fuss about Israel, there's just as much fuss about Jerusalem, and then even more regarding the Temple Mount, which is centered right in the heart of Jerusalem. So I am confident enough to say that it is also the center of our world. When I started going to the Temple Mount regularly, I saw very bad, or you might even say very evil behavior from Muslims who were harassing Jews as they were being shown around the compound. I couldn't believe such awful behavior was actually happening in a civilized place such as Jerusalem. She says, each time I went, I started making videos of like we see many other tourists do. And then I started speaking about what I saw in my videos and sharing it on my Facebook page called Israel, One Nation, because the world needs to see what is going on here. We have seen many videos of Jews being harassed or children being attacked or yelled at with intimidating gestures. And then I've seen all kinds of different things thrown at the Jews or they're being spat on. Yes, the list of the Muslims' reprehensible behavior just keeps going on and on. It's documented almost every day and reported on the Temple Mount Institute's webpage, too. So what happened in response to my reporting? She said, I was followed around by Muslims who photographed me and then issued threats that were sent to me for speaking about the Temple Mount. My photos were shared on several Muslims' Facebook pages. And I was labeled as an enemy with a lot of hateful comments and even more death threats. A few days ago, I was back on the Temple Mount and walking around behind a Jewish group that was so horribly harassed to the point I was literally in tears. I filmed everything, documenting all I could for the world to observe what is truly such evil behavior. Some of the men smiled and wanted me to film them, and some girls and women all covered in black yelled at me. I went up and got in her face while saying, if you can scream at the Jewish people like that, I surely can film you doing it. The police were protecting me in the midst of this, so one of the Muslims asked me where I was from, and when I replied, Denmark, that item of knowledge was passed on to the other Muslims, and they told me that they would not harass me, only the Jews. Then a couple of the Muslim men told me how there never was a first or second temple there. The Jews had no right to be there. They are violating the holy place for the Muslims, and all of this rubbish. She says the Temple Mount is not a holy place for them. If it was, they would not be having barbecues, playing soccer, urinating all over the place, and turning it into a dumping ground for toilet seats and other filthy and disgusting things. As I get ready to go down from the Temple Mount, I see how Muslim men and children are gathering at the exit and blocking it while again screaming, Allah Akbar. So some of the guards from the walk can come over, and as, as I'm standing there filming them, one of them tells me he wants to see my phone and my photos. He got my phone and started going through all my photos and videos. I had amazing films of the ugly behavior the Muslims show toward the Jews. While I'm saying several times, give me back my phone. Anyway, so in the interest of time, uh, he ended up deleting her photos, um, which he really, he, he had no right to. And he, you know, angrily told her that it's called Al-Aqsa, not the Temple Mount. So stop saying the Temple Mount. But she ends the article saying, every day the evil behavior on the Temple Mount just increases. And recently, I happened to get caught right in the midst of the riots on, um, I don't know how to say the Tisha B'Av, when Muslims had filled the mosque with fireworks and things to hurl at the Jews when they arrived. I was right there filming with hundreds of Muslims running back and forth. I was amazed and actually couldn't believe it. It is simply just disgraceful behavior, and the world needs to see this and share this. Christians and Jews are being violated and harassed every day by Muslims on God's mountain, and it belongs to the Jewish people. My heart breaks when I see how the Jews are being treated every day when they all want is to visit their holy place. This simply cannot go on. Again, her name was Jane Keel, published in 2015 in the Jerusalem Post. So, um, And remember, I had told you that actual government officials were harassed on the Temple Mount as well. So this is no secret as to the behavior displayed on the Temple Mount. This is an article from CBN News entitled Muslims Harass U.S. Congressmen on the Temple Mount. It says a delegation of U.S. congressmen got a taste of Muslim hospitality Tuesday during a visit to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem's old city. From the moment they and their guides set foot on the site, they were harassed. We walked up there and we were almost immediately approached by several men who started shouting. This is a statement from Representative Keith Rothfuss. He's a Republican from Pennsylvania, and that's what he told the Jerusalem Post. He went on to say, we were tracked the entire time we were there and found these individuals surprisingly intolerant and belligerent, he said. So this is a 
representative of the U.S. government who himself experienced it. Um, we have uh, Elizabeth Jenkins. She's the wife of Representative Evan Jenkins. He's a Republican from West Virginia. She was modestly dressed because well, I'll talk about the dress code there in a calf length skirt and long sleeves. And she was their first target. Um, as the group began walking up to the mount, a man started yelling at her that she needed to cover up more. And they also have Muslim women in burqas who are paid to harass female visitors to the Temple Mount, even when they're modestly dressed. And in this instance, the Israeli police had to intervene to allow the group to continue. The Israeli police are there, and they are there to try to protect those that are visiting the Temple Mount, and they are actually protecting those who are committing the grievous offenses as well. And they were also told several times that they may not refer to the area as a Temple Mount, but only call it the Dome of the Rock. And there was a guide with them, apparently, making the trek up to the Temple Mount. And this guide was continually harassed by the men that represented the walk. They, they tried to take away his maps and diagrams, although the, the man, you know, reminded him he was not doing anything illegal and he would only stop if the Israeli officers told him to. So, yes, I guess there was a lot of screaming and shouting and just they were they're followed around and harassed for the entire visit. This person also witnessed more uh, Muslim men surrounding a group of Jewish visitors shouting at them, Allahu Akbar, Allah is greater. So these were congressmen who obviously will not forget their experience on the Temple Mount. Oh, and a man by the name of Trent Franks, he was a Republican from Arizona, he had told the Post that, Quote, there was an effort to completely suppress not only any expression of religious conviction, but any articulation of historical reality, unquote. And later on in the article, Franks also says that he wished people were more aware that harassment of a historical site stems from people who want to rewrite history. After experiencing the situation firsthand, he added, in general, when there is lack of resolve in protecting religious freedoms, it emboldens those who have no compunction about suppressing it. So yes, these congressmen were, I, I guess, they were part of a group from the Israel Allies Foundation. And what this foundation does is it mobilizes political support for Israel based on Judeo-Christian values. Um, but this delegation came to learn firsthand what the Jewish people are experiencing. And also, I guess, this group, the WAC group, <laughs> they've disturbed holy ground and they've dug underneath, apparently, and taken truckloads of artifacts, biblical, archaeological artifacts, and just dumped them. Um, probably, I would say, hiding the evidence. But um, just, just so sad how they desecrate and they treat what they claim is holy ground. There's one more story I'd like to share with you about a visit to the Temple Mount. And actually, it was written by a person by the name of Forrest Rain. It's on um, inspirationfromzion.com. That is the podcast, actually, that Jonathan Feldstein hosts. The name of this article is called Hiding My Jewish Identity on the Temple Mount. And this was posted in June of, of 2022. It says, uh, I don't often go to Jerusalem. It's a long drive, three hours in each direction, depending on the time of day. It isn't easy to get there in time for the very limited hours Jews are permitted to ascend the Temple Mount. It wasn't convenient or practical to go, but something deep inside said, that's where I need to be. That's where Jews are supposed to be on Shavuot. It says here, Shavuot is one of the three pilgrimage holidays where in ancient Israel, Jews ascended the temple in the heart of Jerusalem. Aliyah, the Hebrew term for this pilgrimage, describes both the physical journey and its impact on the Jewish soul. Jews make Aliyah to Israel, and we make Aliyah ascension by foot to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Does it make any sense to say that while I'm not religious and don't feel called to prayer, my Jewish soul knows where it belongs? Some things are so emotionally huge that they transcend the rational and as such are hard to articulate. The significance of the Temple Mount on the Jewish soul is one of those things. One short, precious hour from 1330 to 1430. I wouldn't make it in time for the morning Aliyah, but I could make it for midday. 
when non-Muslims are permitted to visit the holiest place on earth for the Jewish people. Christians and other tourists are also unwelcome, but although restricted in hours are granted a completely different experience than that of Jewish pilgrims, I had no idea how different. As we walked up the Mugrabi Bridge, the only entrance permitted for non-Muslims, I have no idea if I pronounced Mugrabi <laughs> right, but um, the only entrance permitted for non-Muslims, the Jews in front of me started singing. Why did that make tears come to my eyes? Why does looking at the video still make tears come to my eyes? And I'll, I'll share the, the little video recording that she had of it. Anyway, that was just a little smidgen of that singing there. So back to the article. The author says, The word uplifting seems so banal and inappropriate here. I lack the words to describe the feeling of my soul unfolding as if only here like this in song and with pride in this place we become whole. I didn't even look down at the Jews praying next to the Kotel. They were outside. I was going inside. The Israeli policewoman at the entrance stopped me. Her job is to provide instructions, count, and divide pilgrims into groups. Individual Jews are not allowed to walk alone. They need police protection, and the Muslim waqf overseers want to watch every step Jews take. The policewoman said my clothes would be a problem. I had been to the Temple Mount before, and like any holy site, the dress code is modest. That's why I had deliberately chosen a long sleeve shirt. I could button to the neck. I was wearing pants like I always do and like I had on a previous visit, same as I would wear to the Cotel. I untucked my shirt, which a bit long created an additional covering as if I had put on a miniskirt over my pants. She thought that was good enough and let me pass, but the moment I stepped through the Temple Mount gate, one of the walk guards insisted that I put on a hideous skirt they had for immodest, quote-unquote, visitors. He also tried to force me into a matching overshirt. When I said, but I am covered, he let me go. Later, other waqf guards told me that I needed to also cover my hair to respect the mosque. Their new way of presenting the Temple Mount is to call the entire compound Al-Aqsa, as if everything there is a mosque. Changing the name of the place is another way to erase the original name in Arabic. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> It's, it's, it's another way to erase its original name. It, it has the pronunciation in Arabic and Hebrew. I'm not going to even attempt it. But it's, it's the Jewish temple in English, suffice to say. That's when I realized that the overshirt the waqf guard was trying to press on me was actually a hooded poncho. This conveniently provides arm covering and hair covering in one garment. It also clearly marks non-Muslims in a way that they can be easily recognized from a distance. All religious places have a dress code that's normal. What's not normal is changing the rules, incrementally increasing in demands, becoming more and more extreme. That's not asking others to be respectful. It's a declaration of dominance. It's a demand for submission. And clothes are just a symbol of the greater coercion happening here. Entering the Temple Mount compound, I was speaking in English to a tourist. The walk guard assumed that I was also a tourist, and as a result, I was allowed to walk freely on the mount. Without even realizing where I was going, my feet pulled me to the most beautiful place on earth, the place where the ancient Jewish temple used to stand. Note, Jews are not allowed to stand on the Dome of the Rock Plaza, not just because of Islamic coercion. Those who follow halakhic rules... Do not step on this holy ground out of fear of not adhering to the rules of how a Jew must approach the temple. My feeling about this is that this holy site is being constantly defiled by enemies of Israel. 
I am certain that God will forgive me if out of ignorance I do something wrong. I am not a halakhic authority of any kind, and so it is worth noting that many of those who are have deemed it permissible and even important for Jews to ascend the Temple Mount, but instruct to stay off the plaza. There are organizations that guide the Jews on ascension, according to Halakha, with ritual bathing for purification beforehand, not wearing leather shoes, etc. There are lockers for shoes at the entrance of the mount, and there have been recent stories of glass shards strewn on the pathway to make the visit to the Temple Mount particularly, quote-unquote, pleasant for religious Jews walking barefoot. That's nice, huh? Jews are herded in groups around the mount by Israeli police for their safety and walk guards to oversee them. Jews are not allowed to stray from the path, disconnect from the group, sit and relax under a tree, and are urged instead to walk fast. Many Jews deliberately dawdle and more and more pray openly and sing as loudly as they can. Not marked as a Jew, I could walk where I wanted. For the first time, I could do what I always wanted, sit down and just soak up the atmosphere, like the Muslims can. What a moment, joy and revulsion rolled into one to be in the place that makes my identity complete. I had to hide my true face. The tourist walking next to me cringed as the wave of noise hit our ears. He asked, why are they screaming Allah Akbar? This is very scary. Muslim women were screaming Allah Akbar at the Jews beginning their tour. Men and children joined in, the sound carrying palpable waves of hate. These Arabs know the limits of the laws. Had they physically attacked anyone, they would be arrested. But there is no law against violence by sound. Even when they scream, I'm sorry, I have no idea how to pronounce this, but what they're doing is they're screaming a threat in their language at the Temple Mount visitors, um, specifically, of course, pointed at the Jews. I guess it means we will do to you what Muhammad did to the Jews of Kaibar in 628 CE. In other words, slaughter everyone. I saw women and very small children get in the face of Israeli policemen, scream at them, threaten them, and make painfully loud siren sounds at them. Some of these women are professional screamers, paid to harass Jews and the police who are seen as symbols of the Jewish state. Others join in just for the fun of it. I explained to the tourist that the Muslims are angry that Jews are on the Temple Mount. Stunned, he asked, why are people who behave like that allowed to enter this holy place? Why aren't they made to leave? Even before the hour was up, waqf guards started sweeping the area, telling non-Muslims to leave. The Jews who had been in the group had already been pushed out. The police were finishing their shift, so they were about to leave. That's when a group of women and boys decided to follow them, screaming, Shoo! Shoo! Get back! Zionists! Shoo! As if they were driving away animals. A word choice that shows hierarchy and domination. One doesn't tell another human being to shoo. Did they say Zionists instead of Jews because they know that many of the policemen serving there are Arabs? And there's a there's a video here of a, a boy, and he's aiming a chair he's holding at the, at the police officer as though it's a gun. And uh, the woman says, the woman asks, what do you think he will do in the future with other more efficient, quote-unquote, tools? <sighs> so I left the Temple Mount both more alive than ever before and at the same time crushed. Walking back down to the Cattell, I heard a tourist ask his guide, so why is the wall so important? What's its significance? The guide started explaining that Jews for 2,000 years prayed to the wall. That's when I interrupted. The wall isn't significant in and of itself. It's what's on top that is significant. It's like standing outside your garage door. That's not your home. And therein lies the core of the problem. After 2,000 years of exile, the reestablishment of the Jewish state, and the reunification of our eternal capital, Jerusalem, we are not yet home. So she ends the article saying, what can you do? Go, she says, ascend the Temple Mount. <laughs> Believe me, I would give anything to to do that. And, and God willing, one day I will. She says, go, ascend the Temple Mount. Walk where our ancestors walked. Jews and through their Jewish Messiah, also Christians, are rooted there. Non-believers and people of other faiths should also go and soak up the beauty of this ancient site.
As the house of God, the Temple Mount is supposed to be a place of prayer for all nations. It is wrong for one people to claim dominance and push out all others. It is wrong to be violent and spew hate in a holy place. It is wrong to watch children being raised in hate and turned a blind eye. It is wrong to let injustice continue because it is inconvenient to deal with. No Jew should ever have to hide his or her identity, particularly not in the holiest place to Jews in the world. Nature abhors a vacuum. If Jews do not ascend the Temple Mount, despite the hate, despite the harassment and humiliation, others will. Zion is our ancestral homeland. Jerusalem is our eternal capital, and the Temple Mount is her beating heart. He who is sovereign over the, te- over the Temple Mount is sovereign over the land. The Muslims know that. The question is, what about the Jews? I cried when I first read that article several weeks ago. Um, it just it just saddened me. And I know this is the consequences part of it for the Jewish people. You know, they were pushed out of their homeland because of their disobedience. Throughout the Bible, you know, God warned them that if they worshipped other gods and forgot him, they would be displaced and, and they were. And then of course they rejected Jesus, their Messiah. So their land temporarily was, was taken away from them. They were driven from their land. Um, God is bringing them back. You know, people, I mean, look at, look at the progress that Israel has made since their reestablishment as a nation in 1948. It's amazing over there. Um, I watch a lot of, a lot of relaxing Walker videos on YouTube, (laughs) but, um, they've accomplished so much, but even though they're home, it's still incomplete. They're still aliens, invaders over there, occupiers over there who are infringing upon the rights to their homeland. Um, it's, it's very sad. And I know one day that will change. Jesus will come again and there won't be any, any issues like that ever again. I have another, it's on YouTube also. If you, if you don't follow Hanania Naftali, 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 I still not sure how to pronounce the last name. Um, he's wonderful to listen to. He is an Israeli. He's a Jew and he's, um, from what I understand, he's Christian as well, but um, he shares a lot of truth about what's going on. He exposes a lot. He brings it to light. And, and he, um, I think it was on Instagram, he posted a video of the Muslims dumping garbage on the Temple Mount. Um, yes, they, they defile it constantly. So they claim it's a holy place, but it's not about that at all. So anyway, this is kind of what inspired me to do this episode, this acting as though it was a huge crime for this man to go visit his Temple Mount, you know, and disrupting the the status quo, causing conflict. That's just absolutely insane. There's There's conflict there, period, not because of anything that the Jewish people are doing. So when you hear talk about it, I just, I just wanted to, to share this with you and educate you a little bit on things. And of course you can always do your own homework, please. But, um, please pray that our government leaders will get their heads out of the sand already and start making wise and right decisions. Um, not on behalf of Americans and the American people, but Israel as well. Um, pray for Israel, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We know they're not gonna, there's not going to be true peace until Jesus returns, but just pray for the people there. Pray for the Muslims who occupy and are committing all these grievous acts. Pray that they will repent, that God will really get to them, and that they will come to know God's truth because they're, they're living in darkness, such darkness. So pray for them as well as the Jewish people. Again, you you won't hear on mainstream media the truth of the situation. You you just won't. Um, It's like with anything, if you really want truth, you have to go digging for it, right? You have to go search it out. So again, I I recommend people like Amir Sarfati and Hanania Naftali and um, Jonathan Feldstein. Get Get the lowdown from the people who are over there who are truth tellers as to the state, you know, what, what, what's really happening? Uh, because, hey, you know, Israel, Israel is special to us, right? It's Christians. 
the roots of our faith are there. Um, this is where our Lord and Savior was born and he lived and he died and he rose again and ascended into heaven. It's where our Lord and Savior is returning one day. You know, we have been grafted in that family tree with the Jewish people. So I kind of, you know, I always like to say when I look at Israel and I I watch, again, when I I watch the videos of Israel, I think about it, I just feel so homesick and I've never been. I feel homesick for a place I've never been. I feel like a, a part of me is there. And I think many Christians feel that way. You know, it's the land that God specifically chose for his His people, the Jewish people. So, um, and it's Israel is the center of the world. Jerusalem's the center of the world. A biblical prophecy, everything centers around Israel, the, the end times, Israel. But Israel has a lot of enemies and not because Israel or the Jewish people are bad people or anything like that. It's, it's demonic in nature this hatred. And Christians um, are feeling it as well. So yeah, just pray for, pray for the Jewish people. Pray for the the Muslims over there as well. Um, Pray for Israel's government and uh, just be that one little candle, be that light in the darkness. Share with people the truth of what's going on. Look it up for yourself. I just think it's important that, that we get that truth out there. I I really do. So I had mentioned my last episode that I have a couple children's books. They're um, e-books. They're in the form of PDF. Actually, I want to make them accessible to anyone who would like to read them. I want to get them in the hands of Christian parents to read to their children. Um, the first book is called Celebrate How God Made You. It's more of, um, it's for the younger children, maybe like four to seven. Um, the other one is a fictional story, Free to Be Me, Benny's New Identity. It's about a rabbit who wants to become a fox, a very confused rabbit. <laughs> um, it's, it's a quick little journey, but it's a, um, it's a journey where he seeks to find peace and self-acceptance and worth. So check those out and you can, you can download them at one little right on my website. It's on the, the very first page that you come to just scroll down a little bit. It's right under the link to the Christian podcast community. Just touch one of the books and it will download the PDF for you. The first one, celebrate how God made you that book. It takes a little while to download. Once you open the PDF, it does take a while. It's, it gets like halfway through. I think it's because there's a lot of the, the illustrations. I mean, there's a lot of illustrative drawings. Let it sit for a few minutes and then come back to it and it should open fine. I've had to do that here. It depends on what I use to actually read the PDF with, but um, be patient. Give it time. It does completely open for you. Um, free to be me. Benny's No Identity doesn't take as long. That comes up pretty quick. So those are two of the books. Um, there's also a word to parents in the back of the book to point parents um, to some resources, point them further in the right direction as well. So please read them, read them to your children, your grandchildren, um, if they're age appropriate for them. Take the time. These books are meant to be read with our children, because there might be a couple words or something that you have to explain, but this, you know, this is to be an interactive thing. This is an opportunity and a resource for you to, to point your children toward Christ and away from the lies of the world. Please check those out. Again, you can find them at uh, www.onelittlecandlepodcast.com. I never thought in, in a million years that we would have to write books like this, but they're coming at the children at very young ages, younger and younger, and it's just horrible. And we need to get to them first and instill them with the truth of God's word first. I think it's much easier to instill the truth to begin with than to have to undo the lies that the enemy tells them. And I do have a third one that's going to be coming out um, soon. I'm hoping within the next month, it's called The First Wedding. Um, the first two books were about gender. This other one is going to be about God's design for marriage. So, yes, um, <laughs> been been hard at work on these things. So, 
Okay. So today I'd like to give a shout out to my listeners in Germany, the Netherlands, and the Philippines. Thank you so much for listening to One Little Candle. I pray that this podcast is a blessing to you and those around you. Um, Thank you so much. Whatever's going on in your part of the world, I pray all is well. I invite you to say hello. You can drop me a line on my website, onelittlecandlepodcast.com, or say hello over Instagram. If by chance you have an Instagram, you can find me there at One Little Candle Podcast as well. Or you can email me at candlestogether at gmail.com. So again, hello to Germany, Netherlands, and the Philippines. Thank you so much for, for listening. I really appreciate you. Okay, my friends, um, next week coming up, finally, part one of the normalization of sexual immorality. Stay tuned for that, okay? Before I go real quick, song for the day, this is on YouTube, of course. <laughs> um, it's called Waymaker, and it's, they're worshiping in Israel, and it's sung in Hebrew, Arabic, and English. So there's worship by Jews and Arabs together, and it's beautiful. Um, not only to listen to, but also watch it. Make sure you watch the video along with it as well. So I will have the link. It's put out by One for Israel on um, YouTube. <laughs> I just got distracted because it just showed the number of followers and it was 666,666. <laughs> six, six. Anyway, all right, I don't know. <laughs> but um. Yes, it's it's a great song, a great video, so please check it out. I will have the link in the podcast description. Okay, my friends, until next time, you take care and God bless.